You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he picks off running. And he's he in. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. What is good, Finn Nation? What's good? It's your boy Reason, and we are back here for another one. As I welcome you in for the second time today, I had the video earlier today, going a little deep into Austin Jackson's extension, going over going over his PFF grades, why he earned that money, et cetera, et cetera. About a 15-minute video. I had a really good showing. I know YouTube shows have only got about 2,700 views on it, but it's actually over 4,300 when you go into the analytics. So appreciate you guys for coming out to that one. But, Neil, we're going to dive a little deeper into that Austin Jackson one. We're going to ask a question that I think we're well, we're the first podcast to ask it and make a topic about it. And it need, we always get out. We're, listen, we set trends. We don't follow them. And we always get out ahead of the curve. And I think this is something we got to get out of the her, uh, ahead of the curve on tonight with Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, all that. But, Neil, the Dolphins, they're 9-3. and three. Back to back winning seasons and eight to three starts for the first time since you know 2000, 2001, been over 20 plus years. And man, it, it's like I say, you know, today was a beautiful day to wake up and be a dolphin fan, especially you know, beautiful day to wake up and be a dolphin if your name is Austin Jackson. But my how sweet it is, Neil, nine and three for the last five games at home, and that's not including the home playoff games that are on the horizon. How are you feeling? now heading in to Monday Night Football and the Tennessee Titans. I mean, look, man, 9-3, and the number one seed in the AFC with everything that we want right in front of us. Um, you know, I, I think the cool thing is that this team has been consistent. They've gone 3-1 th- and one in every quarter that they've played so far this season. And if they can do that again uh, on the last quarter of this season, they'll likely end up with probably the number one seed in the entire AFC. So, uh, you know, the Monday night football on the horizon against a Tennessee team that's in a lot of trouble. Uh, they're in a lot of trouble coming up this week. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing. And and the Austin Jackson news today just screams what's right about the organization. It's not mm-hmm. just players on the field. It's the coaching staff that develops these players, right? Yep. When you've seen players fail in the same organization and the only variable that's changed is the coaches. We've seen Tua skyrocket from a quarterback that people didn't know if they were he was a starter in this league to a top five quarterback in football and an MVP and a, candidate. An MVP candidate. Austin Jackson. Um, you know, I'm over here. I, I got six crow patty sandwiches over here because I, I i don't know if i there was anyone harsher on austin jackson than myself and i love eating these sandwiches that uh you know these crow sandwiches because i love to see the development i love to see austin jackson as a 24 play a year old player blossom in the prime of his career yep. in one of the best blind side protectors in this league he's a right tackle here but he's a blind side protector right yeah uh, watching, I know you did the all 22 tape. What he did against the commander's defense, he should probably Might have be been his failed. best professional game. Might have been, his I mean, best he was second and third level blocks. His feet were so fast, he was moving defenders out of the running lanes. It was, it was unbelievable to see. And you know, suddenly, I was laughing earlier because suddenly that 2020 draft class that 
a lot of people crucify Chris Greer for sure looks pretty damn good at this point. Um, man, it, it, it's probably you, you good time to be a Dolls fan. It's probably the best time I've had in my 36 years of, of loving this team. So I, I think, you know, I mean, aren't you, you pretty damn excited for the last quarter here? Well, John? yeah. Did you also see that? Did you see the uh, blurb today about how Mike McDaniel and Taron Armstead saw, sat Austin Jackson down? Okay. And Taron Armstead told him, I see your potential. See, remember, what did I say when we got Mike McDaniel and the staff? I told everyone, and I mean my crow sandwiches on Liam Eikenberg. I told everyone, Liam Eikenberg's not salvageable. But my exact quote was, Austin Jackson has poor man Trent Williams traits. They'll like that when you talk about the athleticism, the, the quick feet. And now you see the biggest improvement in Eikenberg and Austin Jackson in this year has been their footwork and their hand placement and their violent hands. And just you can see now the hands and the feet are in unison, um, you know, and, and Eichenberg's anchoring a little bit better. And then you got Austin Jackson. He woke up this year with a mean streak. Right. That he means, did. man, you know, in that Commanders game, there was a little bit of a pile with a Dolphins player on there. You see him get in there and start pulling guys off. And the game before that, he gets ejected. Throw the haymaker. Yeah, you're seeing the mean streak, and you got to be mean. You can be as nice and as soft-spoken as you want in that locker room. And, you know, in the huddle, that's great. But when you put your hands in the dirt in those trenches, you better be ready to be as nasty as possible, right? And it's come out for him. And, you know, Coach AJ brought it up. And we'll get into a Tua blurb, or at least suddenly he said that today. Tua, right? Flores tried to crush his confidence. Jalen Phillips, man, I feel like I'm the only platform that always brings this up, this point up. No one wants to bring this up, and I'm the only platform that always brings this up because I don't think people made a big enough deal about it. Jalen Phillips admitting he had to go see a sports psychiatrist because of what Flores and his staff did to his confidence, all right? right. Now you hear what's coming out about Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson being called out in meetings. Austin Jackson just being crushing his confidence instead of them trying to listen. We're on YouTube, right? We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We can do that, right? We can critique players, and we can get a little emotional, right? We're, we're, we, we are afforded that. But when you are coaching these young men and you have these young men in the palm of your hands to mold into NFL players, you can't be talking like how some of us in the community have been talking about these guys. You just can't. You just you just can't. you got to find a different way to get through to these players. And Mike McDaniel's evidence of that. I mean, we are seeing, you know, the Patriot way sure, you know, isn't as good as the Shanahan way. And we're seeing how much farther, just from a coaching standpoint, Neil, from a coaching and production standpoint, look how much farther it gets you being a genius but also being relatable with your players and being approachable by your players. Look at how much farther it's getting. Yeah, I think what we've seen is we're seeing that Mike McDaniel is the the prototypical modern-day NFL football coach, right? Yeah. He's young. He's aggressive. He has a loose atmosphere, but pl and players have the platform to be their own personality, yet they are, you know— they have to be dedicated. They have to focus on the task at hand that, you know, they have to deliver, but he's not in there telling everyone it's my way or the highway. He's telling everybody, you know, we're going to do this together. I, I think Mike McDaniel, you know, and, and this has really showed so far in the season of hard knocks for me, 
is mm. what we see with the Miami Dolphins culture overall is we see the players in the roster, they're great. You know, the coaching staff, it's great. The front office, it's great. Like, you know, the Dolphins, you know, we're Dolphins fans, so of course we're going to say this. But if you polled every fan base in this league and you say, who's your favorite team to watch besides your favorite team? I'm telling you that Miami Dolphins are probably winning that. They are such a fun, you know, just a fun atmosphere. Um, McDaniel has completely transformed this organization. He's made Chris Greer a better GM. He's made Steven Ross a better owner. He's made every player on this football team better. It's not often we're seeing – we're not seeing anyone really regress. We're only seeing improvements. That's where, it, you know, for me, I get really excited about what's happening is because I see sustained success. I think that this is something that can last. And, you know, you're seeing the Dolphins operate in the same breath as the Eagles, the Niners, the Ravens, those world-class organizations – since 2020, I, I think you can make the argument that Chris Greer's done the best work of any GM in football. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, bro, didn't he also kind of um, – w- if, if Austin Jackson would have made the Pro Bowl this year, wouldn't his franchise tag gone even higher? It would have, and and I think just his fifth-year option was $14.2 million. So, like, like if you go and pay an elite left tackle today, right – yeah, You're, it's twenty five million dollars is the starting price. Yeah, I think he would have got I, like I, you know, I've been saying. I think, you know, I've been saying, Neil. I think my worry is another team's going to back up the Brinks truck for sure. You quote tweeted me today and said he could have probably gained another four or five million a year on the open market, probably. And I agree with that. You look at and I brought this up to you know I brought this up to um, uh, Omar who's only expecting to get about eight million or so. And I said no, there's no way that's no happening. Way. No way. Because me and the chat, me and the chat both said them. Look at the money Mike McGlinchey got. And look at Austin Jackson's age, et cetera, et cetera. Now, would Austin Jackson have struggled if he would have went somewhere else like Mike McGlinchey has struggled this year? Who knows? We won't know that answer until if he's not re-upped after the end of the three-year contract. But if he keeps playing this way, he will be re-upped. But um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I, I think Austin Jackson took less money to be here. Um, and yeah, I, think I, they cre- I think they created a win-win. What's good for you? You're playing in Miami. You like it here. You're getting good here. You're in a system that that meets your strengths. And, you know, the trade-off is the Dolphins go out and get Austin Jackson. I, what, what, you know what was the biggest story to me is it's Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Isaiah Wynn, Austin yeah. Jackson. All four are unrestricted free agents. The first piece of business they did was take care of Austin Jackson. He's been the healthiest player. He's been the best player on this offensive line. He's been the top five player on this football team this year. Uh, You know, overall, he's been a top five player on this team almost overall this year. I I think it's a great one. And and what I think we need to see here is take care of a couple more of those contracts. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, we're going to have a ton of time to talk about, you know, Andrew Van Ginkel, Christian Wilkins, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams. But, like, when you take care of it and you get ahead of it and you're committed to to getting a deal done – it benefits the team and the salary cap a lot. Well, what's been my biggest gripe about Chris Greer, Neil? Yep, he's a little I, late to, to get the deals done. And, and, I and defend like, him tooth and nail, except on that. Do I not, Neil? That's my only gripe with him. And holy schmoly, he learned. I think the Christian Wilkins thing opened him up. I think he said, God dang it, we could have had this guy for 14 or $15 million. Now we're talking about mid-20s because I waited it out. I think the Wilkins was an eye-opener to him. Of I got to get out ahead of this stuff. 
that and, and and look, he and and Tua, it was an interesting situation yeah. coming off the concussions. Yeah. But Tua's going to cost about ten more million dollars a year, probably than we could have probably got him for a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and, and again, I is we're paying it. We're we're going to yeah, pay. Yeah, we it. are. We are. But yeah. it, it, it's interesting to see like the hometown discount that you can get when you take care of your own business and you don't let the market dictate the cost. Yeah. You and the player find synergy of where you need to be. One and and you know what I think agents like when teams handle that type of business because think of you're an NFL agent how busy you are in March right like yeah so many players so many deals to work if you work if you have teams that will help you get your players taken care of in the course of the season it makes your job as an agent better your players happy the teams happy and the agents happy that that's just a good recipe for long term success and and I think. I, you know, I do think you're right. There's times where it's like, come on, Chris, you could have got this deal done. Andrew Van Ginkle is a guy that I think they should have probably tried to get for more than a one-year deal headed into the season. Um, with that said, you know, I'm not going to criticize a guy who's brought me Tyreek Hill, Jalen Ramsey via trades. And now that we look back at it, the 2020 and 2021 drafts, he straight up murdered them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so let's get into – Let's let's go over the main topic here on this show, right? So, has Liam Eikenberg's play hurt Robert Hunt's extension with the Miami Dolphins, okay? And what I mean from that is from a leverage standpoint. You know, we talked about consistency and being the best on the field this year has gotten Austin Jackson paid. Well, if we look at since the 2020 draft, Robert Hunt, you can say, has been the best and most consistent over that span of time to where we are right now, all right? Right. And... You got to understand if he's looking at Austin Jackson getting three years, 36 million, 12 a year with a ceiling of 39. So 12 to 13 million a year. What do you think Robert Hunt's thinking to himself right now with how he's played for every year since he's been here? Cha-ching, cha-ching. Liam Eikenberg. Now, Liam Eikenberg's play. Let's just put some things into perspective this year. So Liam Eikenberg is a 51.6 offensive grade, a 53. For run blocking grade, he has a 47 pass blocking grade, which is actually his best of his career. Um, he's allowed nine pressures, okay, on um, a uh, 289 pass block snaps. Now, Robert Hunt, he's allowed five pressures on 297 pass blocking snaps. So, really, he's only played eight more than Eichenberg but it's almost cut in half in terms of the pressures. And right now he has a 77.6 offensive grade, a 75.8 run blocking grade and a 72.9 pass blocking grade, which is down because last year he was actually a 74.6, but overall his offensive grade his run blocking grade are the best Robert Hunt's had um, up into this point of his career. My thing here is the money he's going to demand. He's but when I talk about leverage, if he's going to price himself at a point like that, this team's not going to play ball. They're going to turn and say, we got Liam Eikenberg. We can make, because here's the thing. With Lemuel Jean-Pierre and Brian Flores, these guys were pl- plucking guys out of Lowe's, out of Home Depot and st- on a Tuesday and starting them on a Sunday and saying, oh, we think we can make it work. And they couldn't make it work. This regime, this staff, they can make those type of guys work. And I think there's that internal belief that we can make. Look at what the, the play they got out of Lester Cotton. Hell, Robert Jones is going to be healthy next year. 
right? You got Robert Jones and Liam Eikenberg, who we've seen man this interior that we would all feel comfortable with down the playoff stretch with Connor Williams. Because here's what I've been told, Neil. I've been told 110% unequivocally Connor Williams and Christian Wilkins are bigger priorities than Robert Hunt's deal right now. So if I take that into consideration and I say, okay, at worst, that's a 20 and a half million franchise tag for um, Wilkins, right? And then you got to think Connor's going to be in that 12 to 14 million upper tier center price range. So we're talking about 35 million-ish between just those two people. What's the smarter move financially and fiscally? Saving that 12 to 13 million you're going to have to throw to Robert Hunt to be a premier guard. And then plugging with guys you have and then drafting and bringing in. Like, again, they could bring Isaiah Wynn back on the cheap next year. Eichenberg's telling everyone, I feel more comfortable at right guard. They bring back Isaiah Wynn on the cheap because he got hurt. And they bring up Robert Jones is there to be the insurance plan. Instead, all of a sudden, your interior is Wynn, Connor, with an extension, and Eichenberg. And, I mean, listen, everyone knows I'm a massive Robert Hunt fan. When we drafted that man... Go look at what I said in the post in the post draft show on here with the M Dolphin fan. Go look at TD Finn's talk when we drafted him live. I said he was going to be an All Pro guard in the NFL. No one, me and EM talked about him the night before we drafted him. We did a mock draft and we big up Robert Hunt. How good of a fit he'd be. No one's a bigger supporter of Robert Hunt, but I can take my subjective fanness out of it and look at it objectively from a financial standpoint. And when we see you bring up Andrew Van Ginkle, what if they think, think about this, because this now factors into the Robert Hunt money with Jalen Phillips's injuries. What if they want to pay Andrew Van Ginkle before they pay Jalen Phillips just as an insurance in case Jalen Phillips continues to get hurt or he doesn't look proper coming back from the Achilles. And he's willing to take a hometown discount where he could get 13, 14, 15 million on the, on the market, but he's fine with nine to 11 here in Miami, right? That's something. And you know, Fangio is going to bat for Andrew Van Ginkle to get an extension. You know, that's going to happen. So that's just where I'm getting into this with this. Listen, I think there should be no higher priority than protecting Tua Tungvaloa. But I'm looking at this from a financial standpoint and the play they've got from Lester Cotton, Liam Eikenberg, and Robert Jones in that interior when they've tasked them with it this year. And I think they think they could probably get by and afford to let, you know, they're afford to let Robert Hunt walk. I don't agree with it. But I could see that being part of the plan. What do you think? And that I know I just went on a rant, but what do you think about all that? You're muted, brother. I was drinking and I didn't want the water and my metal to be clinging. But no, I think you brought up a lot of really good points. And like I, I think there's two sides of the story, and neither side are wrong. They both make a lot of sense. Like I, I personally love Robert Hunt at right guard, um, but. You know, there's no, there's no mistaking. It is Connor Williams or Robert Hunt. There, it's not going to be both. If they, if they get both, that means yeah. Wilkins is gone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I agree. So, so uh, here's how you have to look at. It. I saw Scotty just put in our comments: the Dolphins should get a real center. Connor Williams is the best center in football right now. Maybe he does have some of these snap issues, and he's not a traditional center, but he's rated the best center. In, in and the football. snapping issues have been clean since he came back. 
And 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 we now we have two years of tape on it. Two reasons yeah. where we've seen this isn't just kind of a flash in the pan. This guy's established him established himself as one of the league's best center. If the Dolphins are more interested in Connor Williams than Robert Hunt, to me it makes a lot Which of sense. Are. Yeah, Connor Williams is healthy out there playing at the top of his position, and Robert Hunt got re-injured i mean like it's just one of those things i i think you know and they look like geniuses they shifted them from left guard to center that's a project that they hit a home run on they're not going to sell off on that well and then and, and, if, and it aligns perfect with my first round draft strategy because i think that you have your bookends with armstead who i think is definitely going to be coming back yeah, they're going to restructure him yeah they're going to restructure him he's going to be yeah, back he's going to be back I, I think you're going to see Austin Jackson as the right tackle. I think Keon Smith is going to take over for Kendall Lamb, probably in that swing tackle role, unless they can work out something with Kendall. I think Robert Jones is going to be the interior depth piece. Your center is going to be Connor Williams. Your right guard is going to be Liam Eikenberg. And then the guy that I want to draft in the first round is Troy Fotnew from Washington because mm. I, I love him as a left guard with the ability yeah. to kick outside yeah. and play yeah, left yeah. tackle yeah. if Armstead goes down. He's a mean son of a bitch that matches the philosophy that we're trying to build here. Uh, I, I think that it's very likely that Robert Hunt could be. If it was my priority, I think I'd want to sign a Robert Hunt because I love him in here. And I think keeping continuity with him and also I'd Jackson. lock him and Connor Williams up. They'd be my top priority, yep, but I, I know they have Wilkins as a higher priority right, right. now. And like, and that that plays into this too, right? Like, because I personally would say if I'm the GM, I love Christian Wilkins and what he's doing. He's actually backing up what my criticism were. He's getting the sack production. He's yeah. playing borderline, very great to elite football. I just think that this is a great defensive tackle class and that Vic Fangio can go get a guy in second round like Devondre Sweat from Texas, plug and play him in the new, at the nose and, and find more players that are, are way less expensive an option because I think keeping that brick wall in front of Tua Tua is the most important player on this football team, even over. Well, and he's about to be the biggest investment this franchise has ever made in a player, too. So you better protect right. them. So I, I think having that, and then here's the beauty about the offensive line: not only are they excelling and not getting to a hit and doing well in the pass bucket, they have become absolutely menaces in the running game, where they are moving the line of scrimmage. They are, you know, most are in eight chain are getting a lot of the accolades and a lot of the production, but that line is doing a tremendous job at at balling people <laughs> out of the way. I, I, I think that you are onto something. Um, I personally would go Robert Hunt. I think the Dolphins are going to go Connor Williams. That's that's mm -hmm. how I think it shakes out. And I think the Wil I think the Williams extension could get done before the end of the season. Uh, I think it could be the next the next ball to drop. Um, and it's going to be interesting because I will say it's hard to envision this team. You get one on franchise tag and one transition tag. You get one franchise tag and one yep. transition tag. Anyway, so no, I think I think it's hard to envision this team not keeping Christian Wilkins here on some capacity, whether it is a franchise tag, whether it's an extension. I mean, he's just you know he is the lifeblood of that defense. Um, I don't think he's not replaceable, but I think it's hard to replace the leadership and the intangibles he brings and the play on the field. Um, like it's going to be. I mean. It's going to be Chris Greer has a Connor job. Williams and Robert Hunt would be my top priority over right. anyone because I'd want to bring this offensive line back. Yeah, I, that I, would well, be my. We're fifteenth. If you took our comp, I did, went over the numbers yesterday. If you took PFF grades, Sports Info Solution uh, score, and if you took your ESPN uh, pass block win rate, we're the third pass. We're the third pass pro team offensive. We're the third best offensive line of pass pro. If you take all those same outlet scores in like run blocking and then for ESPN uh, run block win rate, 
we're number 15. We jumped from 24 to 15 in one week against so the Commanders. So we're pretty much, you would agree, a solidified top 10 offensive line. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when we when we did this, if season, you average it out, right, three and fifteen, what would we be like nine? I think it would, yeah, it would be somewhere on nine. When we yeah. did these shows in the beginning of the season, and you and I have been, what did we say? Just get around top twenty. Right. Just become top twenty. Middle of the pack. Good. Middle of the pack, and this team could go to the Super Bowl. We said right. And look They're at it. Were, were we live? You know, we and, live? And look, I, I I know that there was other outlets that were excited about the Dolphins. You know, I picked them to be in the Super Bowl. You picked them fourteen and three or thirteen to four. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, we we had high, we have high, like we have high expectations, and and this offensive line makes this offense the most dangerous offense in football. That that's where I'm thinking. Um, I will say this: I don't think there's any way. I call these guys the four horsemen. Look what Van Scott G said, by the way. What did he say? Connor got. McDaniel got Connor first thing for a reason. That was his first big offensive line pick. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, go. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I call these guys the four horsemen. These are the four key free agents the Dolphins are going to have. And there's other good ones. Van yeah. Ginkle, Wilkins, Connor, and Robert Hunt. The Dolphins, after the Austin Jackson move, can probably keep two of them because they need to keep 10, 11 million to sign their draft class. And they are going to make maintenance moves. Like, you know, they'll probably try to bring back Deshaun Elliott on a, on a lower contract deal they'll probably try to find you know good role players to put on the team but i think you keep two of those four players um and if you ask me honestly who i if i had a rank from one to four who i think the best four players are i think it's wilkins and connor williams that would get the nod yeah yeah and that's where they're going that's why they're right. making them the priority right like right. we're making the offensive line and two of the priority a little bit more with hunt over wilkins they're going basically bpa right best player available you know what i mean so right i mean well, you can't well, knock them for it well look and, and like i they signed zach sealer right after those wilkins conversations broke yeah, down died out, yeah. and i love zach sealer I, I i i i say this meaning if they didn't make that move they could probably keep three of these guys uh and wilkins and their linemen you know, it's not unfortunate. I'd love to have Zach Sealer on our team. Making that signing when they did negated. You know what I mean? It negated the ability to, to create this. Now, I, I'm salary cap ready already, and I've done a lot of the digging, and the Dolphins have a lot of flexibility. Getting a deal with Tua done will open up about 15 to $18 million in cap space based off of the average first-year hits that new quarterback contracts have been getting. Mm -hmm. uh, you could do a restructure with Ramsey. You could restructure Armstead. Um, X, X isn't going anywhere anymore. Uh, X, X is playing great football, but there is a lot of things the Dolphins could do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, they'll, they'll lose some players though, but like for me, that's what, that's why it's good to start having some draft picks back. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but I missed the Dolphins on draft yeah, day for the last yeah, two years. Sure. That's how you're going to supplement. One. Yeah. You're going to supplement this roster with first, second round picks and build some depth in the later rounds. That's the one I've been quietly like hinting to. Uh, my viewer base that uh, things might go differently than we expected in the off season with X. I think they're going to try and they're going to try and restructure him and make that work. And I think they're going to try and keep him for at least one more year. Yeah, me I too. really I, do. I'm exactly with you. They're I just going to, they're going to restructure as many bodies as possible. That's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly right. what's going to happen. Well, here, here's my question to you. Cause I don't care about this. My answer is I don't care. 
if they push all this money downhill and they get to three to five more years of this window, I don't give a shit. You lock yourself out. Do you out. give a shit? Like, if you have three no. to five years of this, if we level, win a Super Bowl this year or get to right. an AFC championship and they either push the money down the line to win another one or they push the money down the line because they realize they're so close with this core, if anyone complains, I will personally drive to your house and ring the doorbell. And when you open it, you will get a talcum powdered pimp slap right across your face. Okay. Because listen, if it's <laughs> taking that final step or if it's continuing to build a dynasty with multiple championships, I we've been waiting for this. I was born in 1985. Neil, I've been waiting for this since my, my daddy took a picture of me while using his Merino Jersey. And I was like eight months old. I've been waiting right. for this. Okay. Amen. You know, so, uh, no, I do what you got. Winning is the ultimate objective, man. And I'm here for a dynasty. We got, to, we had to sit through that Patriots dynasty for 20 years. We had to deal with the armpit of, of the world, easily North America, maybe the world, <laughs> Buffalo, thinking they were on a high horse, right? And the Jets are down bad right where we got them. Right. Build the dynasty and put your foot on the throat of the AFC. That's where I'm at. And honestly, the only player I wouldn't restructure, there's one player, and that's Tyreek Hill, and this is why. He's already got a $50 million cap hit coming. I don't want to make his cap hit so unbearable that they'd have to get rid of him quicker. Like, yeah. keep paying Tyreek because he has a huge lift of $50 million, and then it drops down drastically. Like, But everyone else, Ramsey, Chubb, Armstead, X, restructure, restructure, restructure. These type of windows are special. You take full advantage of it when you can. Look, eventually we'll have to pay the piper, and then we'll have to go for a rebuild or something like that. But keep this window open for five years. Give me a Lombardi. Hell, give me a couple Lombardis. Like, I, it's all worth it. The teardown doesn't matter if you accomplish what you're looking to accomplish. I agree with that. Um, and uh, I wanted to play this. Look what Tua subtly subtly said today um and we, we'll go over we know who's talking about yeah really, really remarkable um to to sit in those meetings um have things told about you that you know aren't true but they get planted in your head and you have the media on you as well and then you have someone uh like mike and his coaching staff come in and basically just build you back up and it's not just austin it's really everyone that's been here um, you know, for some time. Wow. Um, and kind of give you that renewed confidence in yourself to just go out there and be yourself and and play the way you've played. That's why, you know, the organization chose you. You see the fruits of his labor. Dude, this talk of Flores getting a job is complete and utter. Who's giving this guy a background and a reference check? Because I don't know many players that would. Hell, even the ones he brought over from the Patriots, like Van Noy, hate him. And then he, like, uh, man, it honestly, I feel so much better for Austin Jackson, but I feel so bad for, J, for JP and him talking about having to see a sports therapist. You know, too, was talking about himself a little bit there. Man, you know, it's such a great story, but at the same time, it's so sad that these players had to go through what they went through internally. Man, it, like literally my heart breaks for the for these cuz listen, I get they're young men, but they're all they're young kids asked to be young men in their early 20s, especially Austin Jackson he came in how old was he when he came into this league, man? The guy was like 21. 20, 20. yeah, he was 20. He was 20, right? He was 20 years old, yeah. Like, 
you know, oh man. So well, I look, I, I think it's amazing the mental fortitude of players like Tua Tungvaloa and Austin Jackson because a lot of players that their careers start off in the fashion that those players' careers started, they don't make it to the second contract. And not only did both these players make the second contract, they made it to the upper echelon of their position. Um, this Brian stain, uh, Brian Flores was a stain on the organization. Uh, it comes out more and more in every story that we have seen. And the fact that he is behind us, it makes this franchise a better franchise. And I love the fact that Tua Tungavaloa is comfortable enough to come out and say what he said today. Because look at if you look at the NFL, whenever I see an advertisement for the NFL, Tua Tungavaloa was on it. Brian Flores is a defensive coordinator for a Vikings team that's going to be watching the playoffs on their couch. So the trajectory of their careers, how they've gone in the post-Brian Flores era, you see Tua rising and you see Flores meddling in where he was before he was a Dolphin. You know, So I, I think it's great to see that you know good things still happen to good people and bad things still can happen to bad people, man. And I think that is good to see. And you know, I, I think it screams to what we started the show about this culture. What Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, is a top ten X and O coach in football already. But what he's done in Miami beyond the coaching is is as elite work as you will see at that position ever. I mean, like we had Don Shula, we know what great coaches are. What Mike McDaniel has done in a short period of time is as impressive as anything I've ever seen as a Dolphins fan. And that's where this culture, this team, man, it, it, we're a wagon. Uh, you know, we're going to be rolling people over. Like we beat teams. We destroy teams. We steal their will. I, you know what even made me even happy the other game against the commanders? It was that fourth down and a chain got a second touchdown. Mm. I love, I love the fact that we insert our will against other teams. Like, I love that we're not this passive, soft football team that we've been for years. I love that Austin Jackson's throwing haymakers and fighting. I love that Teron Armstead is playing through every injury known to man. I love that it looked like Jerome Baker almost was out for the season, and the dude's on Twitter three years late, uh, three hours later saying he's coming back. I love that Jalen Ramsey came back as soon as he did and had that much of an impact. Like, mm. we are seeing these this team. They have something special, man. There's There's something in the DNA in the Miami Dolphins right now, and that's – that's what's so exciting to me. It, it, it's like we all know how good this team can be. Mm-hmm. And everybody that was outside these walls told us we were idiots, that we were homers, that we didn't know shit about football, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, how long have we been saying this reason? This team's been playing closer to their floor than the ceiling. Well, what we saw about against the commanders was a complete game of complete domination. And this team's going to start getting closer to that ceiling. And they're going to be playing at that ceiling when they have Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo. That narrative that this team can't beat good teams is going to get crushed. Like every other narrative that this franchise has crushed this year. Mm. And this that's what's going to make this season so much fun. And then we have playoff football, likely in Miami, which is going to be, I mean, man, oof, it is going to be insane. Nuts, nuts, nuts. Speaking of bad coaches, <clears throat> uh if any of y'all didn't see this this is real this is an excerpt from tyler dunn a piece he had on go long td and remember i've had tyler dunn on the show here great guy uh you know always willing to give advice to me i talked to him you know on a personal level he's a great guy 
And this is about Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach. And this is what it says. At John, St. John Fisher College Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, New York, McDermott's morning address began innocently enough, told the entire team they needed to come together. But then sources on hand say he used a strange model. The terrorists on September 11, 2001. He cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection, one by one. McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. What tactics do you think they used to come together? A young player tried to methodically answer. What do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran answered the TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. I mean... Are we getting to that point in Buffalo where desperation is reeking through now even the pregame speeches and the morning speeches? I mean, listen, dude, that is one of the most inappropriate <laughs> comparisons uh, I've ever heard. And you did it in New York? Oh, uh, Lord, in the state of New York. And yes, it is real. For people wondering if that's real or not, that is real. And from what I understand, that's like seven different players sourced that. Not just one, not just two. Like seven different people there sourced that story to Tyler wow. Dunn. If I own the Buffalo Bills, I I, I, I fire Sean McDermott tomorrow. I, I really... <laughs> I I I cannot believe that that's a real quote from a, a professional in the public eye. I mean, it's been a weird Schefter week. Schefter even he, tweeted it out, bro. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, here this week, we've had uh, the Harvard and the Ivy League universities like yeah. like trying to talk about the Holocaust. Like I like I like I, I don't know what's going on here, man. But like, there's things that you don't touch, and the Holocaust and 9/11 are probably two of them. Uh, you know, there's nothing really great about. A, a large amount of people dying and there's not a lot of good parallels you can make to be, you know, I, I just, I can't believe, cause I, I'll say this. I've always been impressed with Sean McDermott, even though he's been the Buffalo bills coach, a man of discipline. He's really had good leadership in times with like the DeMar Hamlin thing. Um, but man, like that is one of the most horrific quotes I've ever read in my entire life. Um, wow. I, I, there's not much else that I can say, but wow. Like I cannot believe, that's Sean real. McDermott every night before a game, bro. That is awful. Wow. <laughs> that, Holy jeez, this guy. That's insane, man. I and in New York to say that of all places. Good lord, man. I I mean, she's he's getting fired. He knows he's on the out. He messed up with Leslie Frazier. Stefan Diggs isn't happy. It's over. It's that, literally over. And he knows we're gonna win the division and we're gonna like run away with the division. I think he knows the writings on the wall that it's pretty much over for him and in Buffalo. And, you know, you know, it's going to be even funny when Ken Dorsey goes back to uh, KC and KC's passing attack, gets back on track and who ends up looking like the idiot. Right. Right. For sure, man. God, huh, Sean McDermott, he's definitely the idiot of the week. That's for sure. Oh yeah. He, he's vying for jabroni. I don't know. Steven Ruiz and that guy from PFF are vying for jabroni of the week. Now this guy's coming up for it. Holy geez. Everyone wants a shot at it. Eh? Yeah. And there's been people in Twitter spaces making a name for themselves. Yeah, there, there's a lot yeah. of bronies this week, man. I mean, yeah. oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, you had to, if you know, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I wanted to show you this because, you know, you got Stephen A. Smith. Oh, 
you know, and you had the Micah Parsons comments. Oh, I can throw to, I can, I, you know, I can throw to Tyreek. I can throw to Tyreek. And you got Stephen A. Smith. Well, you know, you saw a screen and they do the rest and blah, 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 blah. Check this out. I present to you yet a, another narrative killer, courtesy of Next Gen Stats, who got stuff inside the football. Tyreek Hill has gained over 100 more yards on post routes and go routes than any other receiver has totaled on an individual <laughs> route this season. Hill's 938 yards on vertical routes this season are the most of any receiver in a season since 2018, and the season ain't done. I mean, look at DJ Moore. DJ Moore got 251 yards on a hitch. This guy's got almost 200 yards more than that just on post routes alone. Look, he's got over 100 yards more on go routes than CD has. Um, I mean, is this just another example of that Tua just throws and the receivers do the rest? That's just another example of how false that narrative is, how ignorant that narrative is, and how downright of a lie that narrative is, Neil. And, I mean, this is, again, was he putting up that kind of yardage on go routes and verts? vertical routes, whether it's go route or post route or whatever, or a corner route, whatever. Was he putting up that much vertical yards with the big-armed Patrick Mahomes? No, I think Emmanuel Acho nailed this the best. Tua's great with Tyreek, and Tyreek's great with Tua. They're great together, right? Like, it, yeah. like there doesn't have to be somebody that needs somebody. Like, I'll say I mean, this. It sure looks like Patrick Holmes misses Tyreek Hill in Kansas City right now. Like, right? It looks pretty bad there. So, uh, like, for me, I mean, like, the the people, like, I, I the Steve Ruiz stuff you saw. Like, honestly, yeah. like, I, yeah, I have to block awesome. that kind of stuff on my timeline because even talking about it is a waste of time because it's just – it, it yeah, doesn't feel make, dumber. You feel it, dumber. It feels in. dumber trying yeah. to encourage someone to be be realistic about something. Like, look, Tua, I, he made to play one of his cleanest games he's ever played as a pro against the Commanders. He looked as clean. He he's challenging the secondary. I, Tyreek is Tyreek. I mean, like, dude, like, I, like, I, I I love it, kind of, man, because I think in a few months, if this mm-hmm. Dolphin team achieves what it will. We'll all have all the fun in the world, just laughing at all this n- nonsense and naysayers along the along the way. Like you know, I, I've seen quarterback lists when people don't have two in their top ten, and, and when you do that, it's intentional, right? And I don't know if it's for clicks, but like, there's people that are very good NFL draft content writers that I have respected and covering the NFL draft that I've blocked and muted this week because I'm just like. Dude, you got some kind of agenda. Like, as dumb as it was that Derek Carr said Marcus Mariota could start over Jalen Hurts, there's been credentialed NFL draft writers who do this for a living that have been even worse. And that's where, to me, it's just I love it because I think those type of things might have rattled the old Tua Tungavaloa under Brian Flores. I think this Tua and the team around him use that as fuel, man. And I love it because there's a lot of receipts that are going to be given out. Look, hey, I'm eating them today on Austin Jackson. This Dolphins team is going to be giving out a lot of receipts, man. And I, I think it's going to be fun to see all those people on ESPN that want to talk their trash pucker up. Colin Coward's already starting to do it. He's already starting to turn the corner and talk about how the Dolphins being good is good for football. I, I It's coming, man. And, like, shutting people up. It's probably one of the most rewarding things a professional athlete can do besides get that check. 
And Tua's locked in, man. This team's locked in. I see that on Hard Knocks. They're locked in. They're ready, man. This team is ready to make that run. I Like, that is my biggest takeaway. Someone asked me that yeah. earlier today. My biggest takeaway from Hard Knocks is it confirms the fact this Dolphins team's ready to make this big run right should now. I put, should I put out my worry to the public so they know it, but in case it does happen down the line? Uh, you, you can, I, it's funny because your worry is, and if I've buried anyone else worse than Austin Jackson, this is the <laughs> only guy that I've ever really, I, I can't stand this son of a bit. Uh, bitty, so uh, I, I've only told EM and Neil this, okay? My biggest worry is not our defense. My biggest worry is not our offense in the playoffs. You know, people offensive line. I'm not worried about that. My biggest worry is that we're uh, Sanders is going to Stajanovic us against the Chargers. That's what my biggest worry is that we're going to come down to Sanders with a 50 plus yard field goal at some point in this playoffs, and he's going to blow it. That's my. And when we talk about this team beating themselves, that's my biggest worry of us beating ourselves is special teams lets us down because quite frankly, Danny Crossman shouldn't probably have a job anymore. And Jason Sanders, that looks like one of the worst extensions we've had over the last couple of years. So that's just my, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's, just, that's my really only worry heading into the playoffs is Jason Sanders. Well, you know? I'll say one thing. I'll give Mike McDaniel credit on another thing. The 54 yarder in the elements at that game this Sunday, I wanted, I, I thought we should have went for it there. I, I think it was fourth and four or something like that. Letting Sanders kick that ball, I, I didn't think he was going to make it. I, I'll be honest. I didn't think he was going to make it. Yeah, you but heard I'll, the warm-ups. He was missing them big time in warm-ups, eh? Right. I, and I don't know what's happened because he did have that all-pro year. I, I don't know. The, the the sample size tells me he's not a very good kicker. Uh, yeah. But but he did Better hit it. Bailey. So, uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, don't even get me started there. But I, I will say I, I share that concern too because I do think this. As much as I love this Dolphins team – they're not going to go win every game in the playoffs and then Super Bowl by 20 points. Yeah. There's going to be dog fights. There's going to be battles. There's going to be times where every point matters. And I even think sometimes if if Mike Daniel doesn't have the confidence to let Sanders kick, it's almost as bad as a missed kick, right? If it's fourth and six, and instead of kicking a 53-yard field goal, you go for it and you turn the ball over and the other team gets better field position than they would have if you, you know, punted or kicked it off like I just think that's something that concerns me is that it's not just even the missed kicks it's is there a confidence in him within a certain range and then you know this week they let him kick a 54 yarder I will say this I will not let Sanders even attempt to kick above 55 yards anymore I think it's just it, it, it's a losing battle then I laugh because Andrew Franks kicked one like 59, 60 yards to get us in the playoffs in 2016, right, against the Bills. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like I I, I don't know. But I, he's Jason Sanders is my number one biggest worry on this football team right now, yeah. for sure, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. All right, man, so Monday Night Football, um, we got the 4-8 and eight Tennessee Titans, nothing to lose. Will Levis looking like, you know, year two or year three. He's going to be that guy in Tennessee for sure. Derrick Henry didn't go into concussion protocol, so it's not going to be a Tajay Spears. It might be a Tajay Spears fest, but it probably won't be. Derrick Henry's going to be out there. Obviously, they love to throw the football deep when you look at what they do, right? So, um, you know, I believe 22% of their throws are – 
plus 20 yard throws. So they love to push the ball deep. Will Levis has the arm. They have DeAndre. They got D hop. They got nuke. You can go up there and get it. What, what, what's your thoughts on this Tennessee game, Monday night football, um, man, you know, for the next five games are at home and we're starting it off on Monday night. What, what are your, what are your thoughts heading into this game? What's your prediction? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, there's a, there was a band in the 1990s that I used to li- listen to called silver chair. And one of their songs was called pure massacre, right? Uh, the dolphins are the best home team in football a rookie quarterback on Monday Night Football in Miami under the bright lights. This energy of the stadium is going to be amazing. No Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, Tennessee has a piss-poor offensive line. Um, I I think the Dolphins are absolutely going to beat the living – crap out of the Tennessee Titans and I and like I see Mike White uh, I think I think we will see Mike White I I, I, look I love Derrick Henry he's one of the players I respect the most in this league he does not look I I know he's second in the league in Russian and you know I know what what he can do he does not look like the same dominant player he once did I think he's Mm. I think he's got production because of the amount of carries he's getting because they have a rookie quarterback they're trying to protect a little bit um like I think our defense plays really well against the run Henry will probably have a couple nice runs against us like he does against anyone else, but you're not going to beat the dolphins by, you know, running the football between the tackles on them. You're going to have your rookie quarterback have to make throws. They don't have the type of speed receivers that usually give us a lot of fits. Like honestly, X can match up pretty well with DeAndre Hopkins, to be honest. Yeah. And um, I, I just, and then their secondary man, they traded Kevin Byron, who was their best uh, safety. That secondary is pathetic. It's awful. Um, I do say that I don't think the Dolphins. I think Javon Holland's going to sit for Miami one more week, um, and, and I think it might be the right move to do. Um, if I if I had to throw a score on this, I would say it's going to be like forty to sixteen. Dolphins beat the Titans. Bro, you look at the behind Hopkins, like a Conquo, Westbrook, a, a, a Keen. Like they got no receiving options behind DeAndre Hopkins. Like it is hurting. Uh, and, and you know it, it's hurting over there, and they got a, I mean, they got a few decent defensive pieces. You know, Aziz Al Shahir, um, what Harold Landry is decent. Um, obviously Christian Fulton. You know, they're not going to have Jeffrey Simmons. I think Danico Autry has quietly had a pretty yeah, he's good, a good player. Autry's a pretty good, player, good season. Under the radar guy. Yeah, uh, you know, they have a couple, but it's just not. It's just you look at them and they're so outmatched on both sides of the football by us and. You know, that's another reason why I think, listen, I think two is going to get 4,500 yards. The reason why I don't think he's sniffing 5,000 5, is because I don't think he's going to be playing a lot of fourth quarters. Right. That, 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 and they're going to be up, up by so much that they're going to start running the Run clock out. Well, yeah. Neil, I think we, I think in, uh, prepare, I think we are about to become a run heavy team. And the plan is to get these teams honest to the box heading into the playoffs so we can start opening up a little bit more in the passing game. I think we're going to go a little bit more run heavy on this back half of the season. And I think it was by design. I think that's why two is thrown over 400 times up until this point. It was to save these guys the Mostert's Mostert's body, right? I mean, A-Chan, I mean, it worked out that way, but A-Chan as well. You know what I mean? Jeff Wilson Jr., they were saving these guys' bodies because they didn't want them broken down on the back half. And now it's going to ramp up even, which is crazy to say, because look at what Mostert's done to this point in terms of touchdowns, over 16 touchdowns and such. Well, 
and that's how you win in the playoffs is by running yeah, the football. Exactly. You, you exactly. run the football, and, and that's how you're going to beat the Baltimore Ravens is by running the football on them. And I, I think that is that is a huge part of this team is that we've seen them. You know, what they have shown the NFL this year, they've shown the Dolphins have shown a lot. They've shown that they have the most lethal passing game in the NFL. They have, and honestly. They've done that where Jalen Waddle hasn't really been the player he was the last two years. I still think he's going to get hot for this team down the stretch, and I think we're starting to see more of that explosive and making people miss. Look, Tyreek Hill's a one-of-one. We've said this all year. Um, he's the most dominant receiver that I have ever seen since Randy Moss, and that includes a Calvin Johnson. I think Tyreek is just uh, elite. He might be one of the best players to ever wear the, the Dolphins uniform. Um, you know, whenever we go to any of these matchups, so I say, who's covering Tyreek? And people tell me a player, like someone told me earlier this week, Christian Fulton, and he's a good player. He ain't covering Tyreek Hill. It ain't going to happen. Um, we've seen this, the run offense, either be one or two all season. There's been consistency. Uh, the line's been consistent. And then the defense has shown that they are a top five unit um, and they're just What's getting better and it? better. Uh, Forty to sixteen, I said. I, I I think we win, but but like I gotta stop picking the the, the fifty burgers because I, to your point, they're gonna slow down. They're gonna take their foot off the gas, and as they get later in the season with these leads, like they got a lot more to play for. Like honestly, like it's hard to pick. I, I think the Dolphins are so good that it actually is gonna hurt Tyreek Hill into his statistics. Like I, I Tyreek might not get two thousand this year because we might be up literally. 28 to nothing at half on Tennessee. And then, you know what I mean? I, I know I hate, I hate to sound so cocky with it, but I just don't see, like, I care more about the team's health than I do out uh, the stats. I, I just, I do. And, you know, I, I also think there's a lot to evaluate with Mike White in the back half of the season where, you know, if we do have the number one seed, the division, whatever we have wrapped up when we do, I would like to see Mike White play some meaningful snaps for this reason. Like, I want to see what he is. I don't think we have a good barometer of what he is as a backup here yet. I, I know he had the nice throw to Chosen. Uh, he had that one interception. You know, I think Mike White's a good player. He kind of has that Matt Moore underdog feel to him. But I, I'd like to see him play a little bit down the stretch. Uh, you know, first to keep Tua healthy and keep him kind of, you know, fresh. But I also don't want to see enough of him that this team goes in the playoffs rusty. So it's a fine balance. I trust Mike McDaniels. The Dolphin, the Mike McDaniels, the Dolphins have been great at their player usage this year, at holding people out. Like, you know, I, I think about it as a fan. So when they hold out Javon Holland, I'm like, damn, like Javon's not going to get a pick this week. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like yeah. like the only guy who's really been able to insert what he wants to do is Jalen Ramsey. And, hey, he's backed it up. Like people don't even want to throw his way. Terry McLaurin, I have to say, last week. I can't week, believe they erased him. I was Zero was catches. And, and I, you, you asked me 10 players that I respect in football as a football player, and Terry McLaurin's going to be on that top 10 list. Their ability to erase him last week, that was my, my biggest takeaway from the whole football game is how the hell am I – when I looked at my fantasy scores and I saw big fat zeros on three of my teams for Terry McLaurin because, I, you know, I was like – I thought he would still get like five, six catches, 60 yards. I didn't expect him to get the, to get the zero, so – I mean, yeah, man, 40 to 16 blowout win. It's going to be a fun night, in Miami. And, you know, and, uh, you know, 10 and three, and we'll maintain the number one seed. Um, I am interested to see what happens in the rest of the league this week. Uh, Ravens, they kind of got to lay up at home against the Rams. I'm hoping for maybe a little upset miracle. Bills, Chiefs, lesser of two evils. I don't care. Uh, let one of them beat each other. Jacksonville without Trevor or. I think well, he's Trevor's, back. Trevor's back at the practice. Yeah, I think he's going to play. I personally think it's a risky move, but 
their division rival Texans play the Jets and probably are going to win by 30 points. So, uh, you can Stroud this year, right? Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. One of my favorite players to watch. I, but yeah, man. I had McLaurin too in one of my leagues that actually ended up winning the game. I actually ended up putting up 199 points with McLaurin zero because I got 49. Wow. From, I got 49 from Debo. Yeah. Debo was awesome last week. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and, uh, yeah, my defense. Uh, yeah, I I don't know how I put up that many points, but like, cause Mahomes had like a weak game for me, but I had like almost sixteen from Charbonnet. Ingram finally had a game at tight end about damn time. You know what I mean? Kyron Williams, he's my stud on that team, and he had almost twenty points. So I made out. I thought I was done with McLaurin putting up a donut. I was like, God, man. Nah, but they all stepped up for you. Well, I'll, I'll say this: I know our, our listeners like money, so I, I think the safest bet you can make on a week-to-week basis anytime touchdowns for Tyree Kill. No, and- bro. If someone parlayed 150 plus yards and two touchdowns on under six and a half catches last week, do you know how much money you would have made just off ten dollars? Yeah. Oh, those you would have parlays- made a couple grand off t- just ten bucks last week. Dude, two two weeks ago, I hit two two nice parlays. It was one of my better weekends. I was going nuts, man. Parlays are fun because they're the most stressful bet to have. Well, that's too. what I hit the Tyreek. Remember, I hit the Tyreek parlay a couple weeks ago. It was what a hundred and it was either one hundred twenty five or one hundred fifty plus yards on under six catches and a touchdown. And remember, they benched him after the fifth catch. I was like, "Yeah, baby, let's go!" Right? Yeah, I won like twelve hundred bucks or fourteen hundred bucks or something. That's fucking that awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. And it was like ten bucks. I just put ten bucks. And I won like twelve hundred or well. That's bucks. the thing about those good parlays. It's five, ten bucks. You know, and they I can pay one, you. I hit one. Uh, I I hit one that I put fifty down on. It was nice. Oh, so then uh, that pays off. Nice. <laughs> it was nice. Oh, man, brother, so. I got. Listen, I got one of my buddies. He put down a hundred dollars on one of the Rangers games in the playoffs. It was that Rangers game before the World Series. It was in the ALCS where the two pitchers had both had over eight strikeouts. And he put $100 on that. And he won 48000 What was it? Like $48,000 or something like that he won wow, on it? Wow, man. It was that awesome. one that a lot of people hit on on X who were into the parlay community because that one big parlayer played it and put it out. Everyone loaded that. up on it, and a lot of people hit it. Yeah, it was like yeah. it was that Rangers game. I remember that. It was crazy, stupid money. And then FanDuel nuked the pitching after that. It was crazy, right. but uh, yeah. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, um, appreciate all y'all for tuning in. I'm gonna be back tomorrow night. Look for me around mm, five o'clock. Might be a little bit earlier, but around five o'clock, we're gonna preview this Monday night game. I'm either gonna run the giveaway for the Tua shirt and the Waddle shirt tomorrow or on its own stream. I might run a late night stream this weekend. I don't know yet, but that's coming soon. So remember, go to episode 901. Tell me who your midseason MVP is using the hashtag MVP and you'll be entered to win a Tua Miami Vibes shirt or a uh, Waddle Miami Vibes shirt. So listen, smash that like button on the way out. Well over 400 of you in the room for this episode today. I appreciate all of you for coming through. It's a beautiful day to be a Dolphin fan, and I will see all of y'all tomorrow. Fins up. Have a fantastic Thursday evening, and enjoy Thursday night football, everyone.